And welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch and review and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I am Chris, back again with Patrick. Hello. And Steven. Hey. And we're here today taking a break from the worst movies ever made to see how we feel about uh, the recent classic Raw. A film in which the Joker does not appear. The Joker does not appear for a change, uh, but we're going to talk about that after we catch up on what else, if anything, we've been watching, consuming, doing, reading, viewing that is horror related. So what you guys been up to? Uh, I got a couple of really quick things. I always say it's going to be really quick and then it's not, but I, I mean it this time. Um, a plug for the Amon Book Club. We are reading Chelsea G. Summers' A Certain Hunger, and we'll be discussing it sometime middle to late March. I think Patrick is joining in on this one as well. Um, and so far, there's some uh, promising comments on the Amon Discord in the Stevens Book Club channel. Uh, and I watched a documentary over the weekend, just kind of randomly. This is uh, put out by Vinegar Syndrome. It's called Mail Order Murder, the story of Wave Productions. And it's about this tiny New Jersey film company, you know, kind of Roger Corman or Troma-esque. And they make movies to order. So, like, whatever your twisted fantasy is, they'll do it for you with whatever you can afford, which tends to be not a lot of money. you got to finance it yourself. Um, but it was kind of a f- fun little diversion. I love a passion project. They've made over 400 movies doing this over the past 30 years, and um, it's kind of inspiring. Makes me feel like, you know, maybe I could get in the business someday, too. That sounds really cool. Pretty soon, though, we're just going to have AI doing this shit. This is my <laughs> this is my worst fear. You're going to not even have no, you're probably right. anymore. You're going to sit down and you're going to be like, I want to watch a courtroom thriller with Mark Ruffalo and Renee, <laughs> Renee Zellweger, and it'll come on and it'll play. And then you're like, actually, you know what? Uh, let's. I don't like Mark Ruffalo. Let's do Chris Evans instead. And then you're going to get him <laughs> instead halfway through the movie. And you're going to be like, can I see this? But like it was done by Martin Scorsese. And then boom, it's there. <laughs> and, and who would want to watch anything that anyone makes when you can just, it's like the news. Why would you want to read the news when you can just read your own opinion, regurgitate it back to you? Well, listen to Philip K. Dick over here, back from beyond the grave. Um I will say, I don't, really, don't call me a dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's for later in the show. Oh, I'll say quickly, Mail Order Murder, the story of Wave Productions. I didn't buy it from Vinegar Syndrome. It's on Tubi, like everything good. Um, Patrick, have you watched or read anything horrific lately? Oh, man, I've been, yeah, I've been cranking lately. I, I don't think we've talked about The Last of Us yet on the show, which, I mean, there's been plenty of discourse online, but I, I'll just say I've been enjoying it very much. I think it's more than justified doing a, a series. It's it's both very faithful to the game, but also is built upon that really wonderful story in impressive ways. Um, and it actually inspired me to finally go back and play the little uh, DLC from the original Last of Us game, Left Behind, uh, which I had never actually played and which was adapted in the show recently in episode oh, interesting. six, I think. And that was, it was a delight to get back into that 
world depressing as it is. So that was that was good. I saw Knock at the Cabin, um, which was... Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy, exactly, is all we can say about Knock at the Cabin. We love Bautista, but uh, what a betrayal of the basic theme and point of the novel. Good Lord. Yeah, Maybe that was I, the twist. <laughs> what? Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan seems to have like pure contempt for the source material the way that he fucked that in <sighs> yeah or just a basic non-comprehension of it in the first place it's just it's it's wild choices and I'm glad Paul Tremblay is uh, pulling no punches about his feelings about it on mm-hmm. the, on the uh, ostensible press circuit for that saw Skinnamarink which obviously has also already been discussed at length on the show I'm just going to say I'm team hashtag fuck Skinnamarink we had a long text conversation about this the other night with Allison with an I and Allison with a Y who I saw it with but man I thought that was fucking dull um, redeemed by only a moment or two and I (laughs) finally saw the original Leprechaun for the first time uh, in preparation for a little something I'm cooking up with our friends over at It Slays podcast. You'll be hearing more about that soon, but, uh, you know, very relevant to uh, the the holiday of my patron saint's namesake. So I'm going to cruise through that franchise a little bit in the next couple weeks as well. If you're doing a full franchise rundown, I want to be there. I am an unapologetic Lep Stan. Oh, I watch amazing. a couple of those every year. I will hit you up when I move along to Lep Two and Three. I'm no, we'll we'll see if I go further than that. But with your encouragement, I might get there. I believe in you, Chris. How about you? I have not watched or read or consumed anything horror related since we last spoke, so I get a zero for the week. <laughs> You fail. All I did was watch Raw. And I got to say right off the bat, shocked by the homophobia in this. Did oh you boy. did you not pick up on that the first time around? Or did you forget? Uh, I don't I don't know. Okay. But just joke after joke after joke. Yeah. There's a lot of non-PC stuff in this. I'm sorry. I was not expecting you to... Uh, this was. I was going to say, this is a bit, right? This as is soon as bit. he said this, I rolled my eyes because I was like, he's doing a bit. I know Patrick, there's a punchline Patrick coming. saw the bit and he's like, I'm not engaging. And then Steven <laughs> yeah. agreed with me. So the bit just blew up on the launch pad. Let me, let me do it as if... Let me do it the way I thought this was going to go. Okay. I say, I'm shocked Take by two. the home... I'm shocked by the homophobia. And you're like, what are you, what are you talking about? This is a homophobic movie. And I'd be like, yeah, just, just the, the things he says right out the gate are just horrible. And you'd be like, who? And I'd be like, uh, I'd be like, oh, fuck me, guys. I accidentally watched Eddie Murphy raw. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, there, okay, wow. You, you fooled me though. There were some weird moments in this movie involving homosexuality that I don't quite know how I feel about. Okay, right. but right. that's a well, good bit. We, that's a good bit. Uh, apparently not. But we, but, but I think the maybe. <laughs> well, the, when you explain, maybe it. the explosion of the bit was more impactful than the bit. It's like the Hindenburg. Like no one would have remembered it if it had just gotten to its destination <laughs> safely. So essentially, you're giving yourself credit for being the Joaquin Phoenix Joker walking out in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but no, that's interesting that you thought I I 
I couldn't tell if it was homo- it homophobic or not, but we can we can talk about it. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't think what? it's homophobic. I agree with Stephen that there are certainly some questionable things about portrayals of the gay character. I wouldn't say homophobic. Certainly not right. as much as uh, Titan comes off as transphobic, but that's a different movie and a different discussion. But the same I forgot di- you saw Titan. Okay, so I'm glad we get to talk about that a little bit tonight too. It's yeah. the it's the same director. It's Julia Ducourneau. Uh, a French. Speak uh, it. Fr- yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to make it French. We, we, oui, had, we, oui. we had a little conversation about how to pronounce this, and they and they were like Ducorno, and I was like, "That's it's, not very interesting, is it?" I, if I'm speaking French, I want to say Ducorno. <laughs> but, it's actually Vashikovska. Okay. Oh, that's uh, good. So this is the uh, 2016 film, which I remember when this came out and I saw it. I don't know. I didn't see it right when it came out, but not long afterwards, because I remember this movie really getting universal acclaim when it came out. It was like if you were anybody in the horror fandom, you had to go out and see Raw at the art theater if you could. Uh, It was the new thing. And it's about a young woman who is headed off to veterinary school where her sister is already a student and she immediately becomes caught up in the sort of hazing culture of the veterinary school, which is pretty wild. I'm sure we'll talk about the details later. And she's a strict vegetarian from a vegetarian family. And as part of her hazing at the veterinary school, she uh, eats a rabbit kidney at the prodding, I suppose, of her sister, who's already done gone through the hazing process and is uh, accepted in the higher levels of the, the school. And soon after she does that, she just interesting things start happening to her body and her mind and her soul and she just kind of becomes insatiable for flesh for meat the forbidden Mm -hmm. fruit and that's your movie (laughs) (laughs) and it's all about vegetarianism it's All not. Of it. It's not. We, <laughs> Stephen and I had a disagreement before we rewatched, and I don't, I don't know if any of you took anything out of this movie upon rewatch. But as a vegetarian, even on rewatch, I said, "No, this movie features a vegetarian, but it's a metaphor for completely different things." This movie's not about vegetarianism. Not at all. It was some light trolling, but also you, I, I won't shut the fuck up about bones and all. And I confused because I hadn't seen raw in like a couple of years. I didn't remember it super well. And I confused something that the author of the book said about bones and all about vegetarianism. That was confusing. I conflated it with this movie. So yeah, I'll take the, I'll take the L for that. So Patrick, this is your first time. Mm hmm. Well, I guess maybe I, maybe I should ask Stephen first, sort of what your prior experience is with this and, and your feelings about it coming into oh, this movie. Fine, Chris, just dangle the raw chicken breast in front of me and <laughs> yank it away. Um, I mean, this is a movie that I, yeah, I saw it, God, maybe it has been within the past year. Time is strange. Chris has been urging me to see it for a while. The film community, the horror community has been urging me to see it, you know, since it came out. And it just, I... I don't know. It didn't. It didn't appeal to me. I don't typically like movies about cannibalism. I had no doubt that, like every you know critic worth their salt, was right that this was going to be a, fa- a fascinating movie at the very least. But the content of it really kind of kind of scared me off. I heard all these stories about people puking in the theater and fainting, and thought, you know, I'll get to it when I get to it. And I had a 
fabulous experience the first time watching it. Um, I had a, a, an old friend over I haven't seen in a while, and um, you know, was especially happy to have like someone to grab onto during certain moments of this film that are particularly gruesome. And yeah, I don't know, without reviewing it, I'll just say I had a very positive experience the first time around. So Patrick, what the hell took you so long, and, and what were your preconceptions going in? What the hell took me so long? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's like fucking everything else, you know, every <laughs> case in point on this podcast, every two weeks during horror catch up, generally, at least once I say, oh, I'll have to put that on my list. Every time I talk to Steven, I say, oh, I'll have to put that on my list at least two or three times. You know, it's just the, the never ending cue. And my preconception, you know, basically, I just heard it was gross. I knew it had to do with eating meat. And that was all I really knew, I think. I think, um, frankly, I, I didn't. I didn't realize it was the director of Titan. Also, I don't think I even realized this was French. I think I was surprised when it wasn't in English when it started. So that's how little I knew. Mm. I I think the first time I went in maybe with the wrong expectations because I had heard some of the same stuff as Steven and was expecting something that was like super dark and disturbing and disgusting and like I think I kind of went into it with that lens. Um, and I missed what I appreciated this time around as the comedy in this movie. Yeah. This is a, this is a very light and funny movie for the most part, despite being gross. Like mm-hmm. it, it reminded me of like Lady Bird for the, for the most part or something <laughs> like that. Um, it is gross. It's all of those things. It is dark at times. It is disturbing at times, but I think there's a levity that goes through it where just even subtle things made me laugh a little bit like they're in veterinary school but like everything looks like a slaughterhouse they're in the they're in like they're going to class and it looks like a trap from saw they go party (laughs) and they're in like the 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 club from hitman contracts and the slaughterhouse that's a that's a deep cut for my hitman fans out there but like it's just the club everything's from just, blade man it's like the club everything's from blade. oh yeah the hitman stole it from blade i'm sure so that's a good that's a better <laughs> reference uh and they're sitting in class with like their lab coats covered in blood from their hazing and nobody says anything about it mm-hmm. it's just it's all kind of dryly funny um, and I, I missed that the first time around. And I felt like an idiot for missing it the first time around. Humor, you're saying? Yes. Hmm, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't read it as necessarily that humorous, but also it was my first time. I was also kind of, I guess, underwhelmed by the, you know, again, that reputation that it's so gross. Although I, I feel like I have this reaction to every fucking film that, has that reputation of being so gross. People were fainting in the theater. People were puking in the fucking popcorn bucket, you know? Like, I mean, it is gross. I will give it that. It has some moments. It has some moments that made me go, like I had a full, like, face cringe, which doesn't often happen for me. But I don't know. I th- And this is probably just an irrelevant, like, side tangent. But anytime somebody tells me something is the grossest or scariest thing that they've ever seen, the visions my brain comes up with for the grossest or scariest thing that I'm going to see is inevitably so much worse than whatever I actually see in, in comparison to sort of like what I had, my expectations is almost seemed tame, but skin a (laughs) marink. Well, what's funny is 
this movie was marketed that way, you know? Like, that's one way to sell a horror movie, and yet yeah. the director seems to reject that read. She doesn't think there's anything... She doesn't like when people say that anything in this film is shocking. She hates that word, which I, hmm. I, I, I find interesting. I think, I think it's because she you know, assumes her audience to be smarter than, you know, the average person who's going to go out to see a movie that, you know, provides a barf bag upon entry or whatever. And that <laughs> there may be moments where something, you know, quote unquote shocking happens, but like, that's not really the focus. She's more focused on, you know, developing the characters through these, these images and sequences. Mm. Um, I don't know that I, I still can't fully wrap my brain around that distinction she makes. Mm. Yeah. I'd be interested to read more of her thoughts about that. I was blown away by, I, I mean, there's there's not a bad performance in this movie, but I was blown away, especially by the performance of the lead. I was just like, mm -hmm. this is a hell of a tightrope to walk, especially with the evolution that this character goes on. She conveys so much and creates such uh, an engaging and endearing character. I was just like, how did this woman not blow the fuck up after this movie? And she hasn't re even really been in much of anything else, but she's outstanding. Wasn't she in Titan? She is, yeah. But she okay. hasn't been in a whole lot since this, which came out, you know, what, I think seven years ago. And it's crazy. Well, she's worked with this director a lot. Like, I think the first movie she did with the director, she was, the actress was 12. And then wow. she did, um, a, it was, a, I think there were two shorts. Then she did another one at like 14 and then this, and then Titan. I don't know. Maybe the working relationship is just so close that they're not really considering, uh, outside opportunities. Yeah, perhaps. If, but when I get my AI device, I'm going to say, put Garance Millier in every movie, mm. in every movie. <laughs> <laughs> and Siri will say, I'm sorry, I didn't understand you. <laughs> no, she's incredible. And like, she really does kind of have to carry the movie. She makes a lot of interesting acting choices because her character is kind of shy and unsure of herself. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of sort of facial tics and things. Also, I mean, this is going to go over your guys' head, but maybe a couple of our listeners will care. She looks strikingly like Isabel Johnny, specifically in Possession. And she even wears that blue dress that she wears. I am 99% oh. positive is a nod to possession. Oh, and, and I'm, I'm still kind of unpacking, like, I don't think that's just a purely formal reference. Like, I, I think that, like, a fan of possession like myself should be able to read something smarter into that. And I haven't figured it quite out yet. But, hmm. yeah, she's such a great actress. There's, there's a lot to unpack in this movie. And I am not smart enough to have done it after two viewings and so close to my second viewing. I'm sure we'll try to break down the themes later on, but it's refreshing to watch a movie on this show that has some intention behind. I mean, we, we've watched a lot of movies that have intention behind them, but like <laughs> a movie that really you can kind of think about and turn around in your head and study and be like, why is that shot there? Why is that scene <laughs> there? Why is that music drop there? Uh, rather than just, you know, what we typically watch. Not to throw too much shade on those other filmmakers out there, but <laughs> it was really nice to be intellectually stimulated like this. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it looks so, great. The cinematography is very good. Oh, yeah. What can you say? 
the my takeaway about uh, the director so far, having only seen well, she's only made two feature films. She's done some shorts and some TV work. Um, actually, on the servant M Night Shyamalan's show, I just learned that mm-hmm. today. I'm gonna have to finally check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, both films, uh, Titan and Raw, are like so sensual in the way that they're directed and performed and written that like to talk about specific plot beats almost might sound like nonsense to someone who hasn't seen the film like it really is like they're very much movies that are more about like what you're feeling than what you're witnessing at times would you guys agree with that i think this is a lot more straightforward than Titan. Titan is a lot more of just like a vibes movie an aesthetic movie a shock movie this is a, a more straightforward narrative there's a lot less what the fuck is going on right now <laughs> you know i mean there's what the fuck is going on right now in this but it's generally you more or less understand the context and what's happening mm-hmm. well there's there's what there's that but there's also like what does this mean or like what does this signify sure and like i i haven't like there's some obvious some maybe obvious things going on here and that like this is sort of like a a coming of age story this is a young woman coming into her own um there's a lot of interesting stuff about family going on in it a lot of some of which we definitely can't get to until the spoiler room but i'm still trying to figure out like i know what i felt while i was watching it but i don't i don't know what it means i i i i'm between you two on this i think it has a pretty straightforward plot but i didn't think the plot was all that compelling or sensical Mm -hmm. to me and where the movie really Hmm. captured me was in sort of the interstitial moments such as like when she's watching her roommate playing soccer or whatever with no shirt on (laughs) and she's just like staring at his body and it's kind of playing you know you go on a little mental journey with her and you're like oh what does in and it all ties into theme and evokes a strong feeling and i i think the movie's at its i think the the plot is Cohere. I haven't seen Titan, so I don't know. Um, but but I think the the plot is pretty conventional, but mm-hmm. uninteresting compared to the feelings it evokes when it's not progressing the story. Right. There's a lot of kind of jumping around in this. I mean, I think most of this takes place over like a week, right, or like a condensed period of time. And there's yeah. a lot of just like, where are we? When are we? It's just a, a lot of just kind of nice observational moments strung together in a way that does that doesn't seem plotty it's more of a hang i feel like Hmm. um i thought this had a ton of momentum to it and felt kind of like your standard coming of age movie just elevated with some (laughs) you know sensational moments that you wouldn't find in your standard girl going to college for the first time sort of story to me it felt I mean, it, it definitely has the feel of an art film, I guess. You know, it, it looks great. There's a lot going on theme-wise and symbolically, but it feels still like something that, you know, your Joe the Plumber Netflix watcher could pull up, and as long as they could deal with reading subtitles, would find this pretty entertaining and gripping. I yeah. can meet you halfway on there, but uh, halfway there on that, but there's not like... I don't know. There's not like a big climax that we're waiting for necessarily. It's not like this is like all building up to a big party. Like a 
parties happen, but they just kind of happen. And we see, you know, how she behaves in them based on things that have happened to her that she's experienced. But it's not like traditional in any sense where there's like an like an A to B to C going on. And like when it ended, I was like kind of kind of stunned both times too. like, oh, OK, wow, we're just we're out of there. Mm. Um, I, I mean, the, the coming of age genre is not known for being ex- like that, that plotty, you know, when I like, like I said, this movie reminded me a lot of Lady Bird for some reason, like movies right. like that sort of built around vignettes. And yes, there's a story, but it's not like, oh, so, you know, the, there's not the problem in the movie is like, here's a girl dealing with feelings and has to come of age. It's not like someone stole the infinity stone or something like that. And you've got to <laughs> chase him and then fight him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I'm thinking of more like, like, like mainstream Hollywood, like high school movies or like a, you know, like a, or even like Jennifer's body or something like that. Like, like this is a far cry for this is more of a, to use like a $10 word. It's a buildings Roman where it's just like, <laughs> Like it, it's a we're seeing a character grow a certain amount in a certain period of time. But I think I think it's accessible enough, especially for people who are uh, titillated by gore and things like that, or titillated by sex for that matter. Um, yeah, I, there's I think, plenty of plenty of both of those. Yeah, I, I I think I think it holds interest to people. It, I think it's more an art film than not, but I think it holds interest and tells a story that that non artsy people like. I still wish I were uh, can connect to it. <laughs> you wish, yeah, you were and it moves swiftly. It's not person? a, yeah, yeah. I, I long for the days when I was just content to say the best movie ever made is Shooter, and if you think <laughs> differently, you're pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days well. <laughs> I actually didn't know until just now that those days had ended. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I try to, I, I refuse to progress. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think we can certainly actually dig further into the movie's homophobia or lack thereof, because they're outside of our main character, uh, Justine. Is that her name? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another of the prominent characters is Adrian, her roommate, who is gay. Yeah. Thoughts? I mean, Chris, obviously you don't think there's homophobia. Steven, what were your thoughts? I don't even think there's homophobia in it, but there's, it's just odd. It is very odd that she, and I guess it, I guess it's odd just because like it, I admire this director for like going there, but like uh, Justine cannot control her desire, even though the object of her desire is a gay man. But, um, but yeah, it, it is, it is just a little odd. And like, as a gay man watching it and like knowing like where their relationship kind of goes, I was just sort of like... I don't know. Is this pushing it too far? Is it not? Is this maybe more common than I realize? Well, it's it's prominent and kind of weird enough that I don't know if I found it homophobic. But if either of you guys were like, this is homophobic, I'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, maybe, so maybe that's just what I did to you. <laughs> I don't I didn't find it homophobic, but I was baffled, of course, by them hooking up. I literally yeah. this this is one of those moments where My, uh, minor spoiler, but it's all right. You can still appreciate the film without it. <laughs> sure um we we talk sometimes about these moments where it's like i can't believe what i just saw like i ran the movie yeah. back to see you know did they really did she really throw him out the window or whatever and in this case it was just them having sex but i was like wait what the fuck did i miss why are they suddenly having se- i mean he has assertively said like i'm gay you know like i'm not interested in girls and they have like a 
an intense sex scene. Like, he appears to be very into it and passionate as well, and I did not understand where the fuck that came from. I really liked the line. It was one of my favorite lines in the movie earlier on when he's like, I I wasn't in the closet for 20 years to fuck girls. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was going to bring that up, too. And it's like, he seems very... Who knows what his internal life is like? I don't know if we spend enough time with that, but like he seems pretty confident in his sexuality. We see him making out with a dude pretty early on in the movie. He's not getting, you know, harassed or hazed any more than anyone else is. Well, and he's literally sitting there jerking off to gay porn when she comes in to fuck him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know. That was most of this feels. I, I feel I, there has to be some intention behind that whole bit there has to be something thematic symbolic to all of that i did not get it in general this movie pretty much made sense to me i feel like i understand what the movie is about that did not make a goddamn bit of sense well, to me. all right so maybe all right here's i'm gonna tell you my little read on it which is just kind of off the cuff and if you believe me then maybe you could say oh it's homophobic but <laughs> uh i i think the whole movie is about not not exactly repressed desire but it's about i think transcending the boundaries you put up around yourself for your uh hedonistic pleasures and animalistic vices (laughs) maybe Mm -hmm. so maybe this is a guy who you see engaging in sex and hedonism and everything on his terms but even he is ends up experimenting in ways that he didn't expect to. Hmm. That's the best I can do to explain it. That's completely different from my thematic read. So I'm looking forward to digging deeper into oh. that in the spoiler room. Well, I should, I should know I've deliberately not researched this movie. I haven't listened to anything by Julia de Chono, and mm-hmm. I probably, won't for some time i just want to kind of kick it around in my head until i decide it's about 9 11 and then be (laughs) then be disappointed when i look at the answer key so (laughs) um yeah i i I don't even know what i what i mean there 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 were two towers in that video that he was watching (laughs) damn wow no, she's an interesting filmmaker. I will, uh, The first time I watched this movie, I watched a few interviews with her and found her to be kind of frustrating, but she is very passionate, maybe a little on the pretentious side, and I think I'm starting to kind of warm up to her, but she does seem very contrarian. Whatever you think her movie's about, it's suddenly not about that, and she thinks you're an idiot for thinking that. <laughs> uh, well, I probably am. Uh, did you, didn't she do a piece for Cabinet of Curiosities? I... I thought so too, and I didn't look it back. I don't up. think so. I was just. Did you guys watch credits. all of that? I never I finished did. it. Actually, I never got to oh, the episodes no. that I really wanted to see. Not her. How could I do Jennifer Kent that way? It was Jennifer Kent. Oh, another woman. Hi, Chris. <laughs> another another genius of horror cinema who happens to be a woman. I th- I think. Um, I think somebody from the cast or something was in it because I I swear I saw an image of 
to tan in like a bloody disgusting article about cabinet but yeah but not the director i i kind of want to reappraise julia de Hornot now because i heard about stuff about titan and it just did not sound interesting to me the cronenberg comparisons rubbed me the wrong way it sounded like she's an edgelord uh, and then, like, like I said, my my initial impression of Raw, I I liked Raw when I saw it the first time, but it didn't it didn't blow me away. I thought it was kind of too edgy too, and kind of more gross over substance. But now I'm like, I think I see the the softer notes of Raw, and I yeah. kind of want to see Titan and see what else this uh, lady wants to show me. Uh, I Titan would be- is a really tender movie, but it's also like, yeah, I I I, I walked away from it thinking like okay, that felt tender in a way I didn't expect, but also more fucked up than I expected in an odd way, too. Like, the central relationship in that movie is something I still think about regularly and I'm still turning over in my head. Huh. The whole weird father-son, but it's not really his son thing. (laughs) Tender is not a word I would ever associate with that movie. I love how differently we're, we're clearly processing her works. I mean, not that we're... We're we're rarely on the same page, the three of us to begin with, but I'm intrigued by how all over the place we are with her. Titan is some fucked up shit. And I would be very curious to hear your take on it as well, Chris, and discuss that on an episode where we're not discussing a different movie. <laughs> it all is, right. but then there's like a, a, a last thing I'll say about Titan, probably on the episode, but like one of the, one of my favorite scenes in that movie is, do you remember when the, the firemen are at the firehouse and they're all just like dancing? It's this like wonderful, positive portrayal of like healthy male friendship and sexuality. Like I've, hmm. it, it, it seems completely random in the context of the movie, but I found it oddly moving and it's, it stuck with me. And I don't know if that's just her trying to connect a bunch of series of images that are going to push your buttons. And every once in a while she happens to, you know, do something that's, that's not super fucked up and offensive, but it, it worked for me, whatever she was trying to do. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I like Titan a lot. It um, just struck me as primarily a shock value type of movie that I, I don't understand. Again, like, I feel like I understand the point of raw. I don't, feel like I understood what the hell was going on in Titan thematically other than just shock value. And again, some probably accidental transphobia a lot more than some, a lot of accidental transphobia. I prefer my transphobia to be deliberate. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Well, why don't we review it and then go to the spoiler room where we can unpack it a bit more. Yeah, sure. I feel like we're spinning our wheels, not really able to fully talk about this thing. We're yeah, spinning our wheels is, like is that, that car another, that she fucks into. Yeah, I was going to say, is another <laughs> Titan reference? I, I haven't seen that. <laughs> um, Steven, uh, you already told us, I think, your review. So why don't you tell us again what you thought of this movie? I think it's a masterpiece in that like, it's a, it's a beautifully directed and acted constructed film all around and i've seen it twice now and both times i feel like i've i've peeled back additional layers i've had a different emotional experience with it both times and you know for a movie that sounds so off-putting on paper i'm surprised to say that like i will be revisiting this every few years throughout the rest of my life probably i think it's just such a striking and unique film that there's a lot you can pull out of and and i don't even think there's any right answer right or wrong answer to some of it it feels 
simultaneously kind of personal, but also uh, universal in a way that isn't pandering. Uh, yeah. Patrick, what did you think? Uh, I'm right there on the same page with you. Uh, this was definitely a view it for me. Um, did I say view it? I didn't say it was I don't, Yeah, I don't think you gave it. was a masterpiece. Yeah. Okay, so view Double view it. Sorry, <laughs> that, go ahead. That's a, that's a new category. View it, cue it, skew it, or master <laughs> Skew it, or masterpiece. Skew it. Why do I keep saying skew instead there, there's of no, screw there's it? No, there's no sense in making that rating because it's never going to be used again. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, no, I thought this was uh, really beautifully done. Kind of like I said before, I think it works more or less either as just a kind of your standard narrative gross out horror film. But obviously, there's, I think, a lot going on thematically that we've been attempting to articulate without really getting into it for the last however long. And it is, I feel probably almost like endlessly discussable on that level you know as steven said there may not be right answers clearly the director from what y'all were saying is a bit uh, contrarian as far as shooting down any attempt at interpreting the movie um mm -hmm. and i don't know those are some of the the most interesting films is where there is a lot going on thematically symbolically and yet also you know the three of us or any other group of people can sit down and have multiple different takes on it and um and unpack it sort of endlessly yeah, it was really fascinating. Glad I finally got around to seeing it. Chris? Oh, it's a view it from me. There's not a lot I didn't like about this film, except that I feel like I'm too dumb to receive it on all the levels it's trying to communicate with. But I don't know. Also, we can talk about it more, but maybe it's just a movie about certain feelings and it doesn't have a grand thesis that it's trying to present to you it doesn't have a message who knows that's where i'm leaning that's um, very we'll talk about very, some more. very french very appropriate but yeah you should definitely see it if you haven't and think about it all right well we're gonna go to the spoiler room spoiler slaughterhouse or something spoiler veterinary school <laughs> <laughs> but before we go there we'll remind you as always to go to our website every horror movie on netflix.com actually should we even tell people Don't. to go to the website it's anymore there's nothing worthwhile point. there anymore just we're forget about the website it's a dead end we're gonna, <laughs> you gonna fix it, it before thursday <laughs> we're gonna fix it well we're gonna fix it we're gonna have a backlog of episodes telling people to go and 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 it's like if you're listening to this episode which is it's now february 2023 if you listen to it and it's uh uh, 2025, go to the website and see if it's fixed. It's an interactive <laughs> podcast. I like but, that little time capsule you just dropped in. You can, however, still access our merch store, which is located on an entirely different URL from our website proper. Go to tpublic.com slash amoncast. That's amon, E-H-M-O-N cast, as in every horror movie on Netflix, and tpublic.com, T as in t-shirt, T-E-E, public.com. If you want to buy a t-shirt or some other uh, piece of merch with every horror movie on Netflix art on it. You can also join us on the Discord, which Steven mentioned before. It's a really lovely community where we have uh, delightful conversations about uh, the movies that we watch on the show, as well as all kinds of other horror stuff, including the books that Steven selects each month for the book club. And there'll be a link to that in the show notes. Follow us on social media. We're at Amoncast, again, E-H-M-O-N-Cast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We love to hear from you on there, as well as the Discord. And lastly, uh, if you're enjoying the show, head to your podcast provider of choice, leave us a review uh, we'd love to hear the feedback and it helps people find the show well said 
All right. Well, if you want to go check out Raw for yourself and think about it in your own brain before you Mm -hmm. let us indoctrinate you into the way we interpreted the themes, go do that now. Otherwise, stick around for about mm, 10 or 12 seconds, and we're going to go to the spoiler room and spoil everything. Welcome back. We're here in the spoiler room, ready to spoil everything about Raw. And I kind of feel like we should be doing, should have done more plot synopsis so people know what the fuck we're talking about when we start talking about the themes. But all the stuff that connects to theme is so deep in the weeds on the in the plot that I feel like it's just going to be... Like, there's so many scenes that are inconsequential to the plot, but consequential to the theme, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that I just I just don't know how to go about doing that. But we could try to give you the broad strokes, I suppose. Uh, you want to try? The plot synopsis? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But, you know, so we already told you she becomes ravenous. And long story short, she's as a, a craving for for flesh she's like stealing hamburgers from the cafeteria and she's ashamed she doesn't want people to see that she's doing it and and when she's caught she's disgusted and she throws them away her body undergoes weird changes she gets a rash a horrible rat we're gonna talk about the rash she gets (laughs) a rash on her body she starts coughing up long strings of hair, like hairballs that are like impossibly long. It's 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 very it's much much body horror indeed. It's it's almost like the fly. Um and That's a really good comparison. Yeah. And she ends up she's exposed in a in a viral video well actually oh, no. <laughs> well, well first of all the other the other thing is she finds out that her older sister she's got the hunger too and her little her older sister sort of uh indulges her interest in meat to the point of taking her on a little field trip where she goes out into the country and jumps in front of passing cars so that they swerve out of the way and hit a tree and the drivers and passengers are mortally injured so she can snack on them well yeah right. and let's which is let's, the first shot of the movie too but we don't know until late in the game what was really going on there yeah let's let's stop along the way here i don't think there's a need to summarize the entire plot at once but like i okay yeah let's talk about the fucking rash because that was the first big moment <laughs> okay. where i was like Ugh. i've seen i mean body horror but i think body horror is probably mm, body horror probably gets to me more than any kind of horror it's up there with a, a good paranormal type of thing paranormal can fuck with me too but body horror fucks with me and i've seen some rashes before but there is just something about this one i think actually it was the intensity with which she was scratching it more so than yeah. the appearance of the rash itself just like she's she's scratching herself in bed she finally like lifts up her shirt and sees the rash that she's been scratching is horrified by that and then she has that moment we've all had this moment when you're itchy and you like see the thing and you're like i shouldn't scratch it but i have to as hard as i fucking can and Jesus fucking Christ, does she scratch it hard? The the intensity of that and the sound design of that oh is my God, yeah. horrifying. And 
perfect. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had nightmares like that where I'm like, sh- like in the dream, like, oh my god, I can't stop scratching, but am I like permanently scarring my body by mm-hmm. doing this? Tell me what you were just telling me about uh, Julia Decorno's parents. Oh yeah, we've got. Uh, let me actually check. I forget who which was which. Um. Yes, I just learned on Wikipedia, actually, that she was born to a gynecologist mother and dermatologist father, which I think explains a lot. That's your movie. That's your movie. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) That's your movie. That explains everything. It's like um, that that clip of them asking Spielberg about why they talk to the aliens in Close Encounters with music and computers. Because his dad was a computer scientist and his mom was a music music teacher or something. And fucking inside the actor's studio guy asked Spielberg about this. And Spielberg was like, shook. He was like, fuck me. I never I never realized that. I got to go. (laughs) (laughs) That's rash. This rash starts fucking peeling like a sunburn, which is also horrifying. She goes to the doctor. The doctor's like tweezing chunks of her dried up skin off of her as she writhes in pain it's and none of this is really explained i don't think and like is it because she ate meat is because she's not eating enough meat it's kind of never explained along with the hair it's just like she has these physical well the hair is she was chewing on her hair well, right. Yeah, but she she not, shouldn't reasonably cough up that much hair, but I think right. it's related to her chewing on her own hair. But I've I mean, heard that that does happen to women. Um, I think mostly like like younger, like teenage girls um, hmm. that have long hair and have like an anxiety tick and chew on it, but definitely not like that. Like um, they looked like something out of out of like one of the It movies or something. It's like yeah, ten feet of hair coming out of her throat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but the rash, I think, I mean, that's after she eats the rabbit kidney, right? That's the first. Because yeah. like, yes. she accidentally um, almost eats a piece of meat toward the beginning of the movie when she's having breakfast with her family, but she doesn't ingest it. And that mm-hmm. may be the first time she's ever had meat because her parents are also vegetarian and would never al- allow it. Her mom, um, I think, significantly is much more distressed about this meatball being in her mashed potatoes yeah. than she is and goes off and complains to the kitchen. Yeah, and she says, like, like it is a big deal. What if you'd been allergic? You know, And she mm-hmm. makes a big fuss about it. Well, now we know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that it mattered to me, and I'm not sure it matters in general why the rash happens. I honestly didn't even really think about it. I, I think I just assumed it was because she had eaten the meat, but I don't know if, how much it matters. I don't, it's more about the transformation, I think, the, yes. the physical transformation, like going back to what Chris was saying about The Fly or any number of other Cronenberg movies. I, I think uh, I, I, maybe I'll deliver the theme at my thematic read in piecemeal here. I, I think um, I think this is a puberty movie, sort of. And we've seen... You know, puberty metaphors and puberty movies, and the only one I can think of right now is Spider-Man, but it's embarrassing. But, but <laughs> you know, um, I think there's a, I think the puberty metaphor is well trodden, but I think there's a second puberty where mm-hmm. once you develop your, you know, sexual characteristics at age 13 or whatever, there's an age where 
you start actually doing things with those characteristics and indulging in sex and drugs or alcohol or all the things that make you an adult uh, beyond your physical characteristics that you get when you're a kid. And I think that that's basically do all the things that make you cool. Yeah. You do all the things that make you not just an adult, but a, but a cool bro. <laughs> um, and I think that's what's going on here. And so I think that the, the physical stuff, speaks to that mm-hmm. so i mean I, I i think we may we, we may as well all start unpacking the thematic reads but i mean mine is not far from that but i think it's more about social pressures which are socially mm-hmm. uh, are certainly associated with uh that puberty kind of stage and that young adulthood when you're figuring out who you are as a person but this girl shows up at this school and is immediately aggressively pressured by everyone including her own sister who pressures her perhaps most aggressively of all to fit into this culture. And we just talked about the doctor scene and there's that interesting story. The doctor tells about what is it? Uh, uh, There was a fat girl who needed to have her blood drawn. I think the doctor's talking about. Yeah. And no one would draw this girl's blood. They were being dicks about it, saying that they couldn't find a vein when they certainly could have. They were just being dicks about her being fat. And the doctor, you know, mentions the fact that the girl never complained about this. You know, Justine's like, well, why didn't she say something? And the doctor says, I think she just wanted to be average. The doctor is also smoking a cigarette. The entire time. In the exam room. So French. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I also wondered if there was intention behind that. Mm -hmm. That comes up a couple of times in here, too. There's a smoking scene between um, uh, Justine... I'm already forgetting names and her father too during a pivotal. Moment. Oh, that's like, right. Is this yeah. a French thing or is this really about something more? I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like more than anything, it's about how we get indoctrinated into culture essentially and how that's mm. passed down and enforced over generations. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, maybe. I think that's a smart read. And I mean, I, that's kind of where I was leaning or have been leaning since this most recent viewing too, just because of, yeah, we begin pretty early on with like the most hardcore hazing you've ever seen. And it escalates and they, is reinforced they, throughout the entire film. They break into her room on like night one, like ISIS. Mm-hmm. They're all wearing <laughs> balaclavas and they're like, let's go time to wake yeah. up. Blah, blah. I, if I throwing I, the beds out the window, and I would have tried to fight them all like Arkham asylum at the same time. If they came into my room, like, I, I was watching this one. I was really, Really tired okay <laughs> so like that was especially upsetting to me yeah there's um, so many insane hazing rituals like the beds being repeated the mattresses being repeatedly thrown out the window obviously the pivotal rabbit kidney eating bit there's a whole thing where they coat uh people in blue and yellow paint and like send them into a room to fuck or do something that would result in both of them being green when they come out in blood they're, they have blood dumped on. I don't know if it's real yeah, or not. Yeah, during like a class photo. And, and it's also clearly shown early on, and obviously this becomes much more relevant later, that this is just common practice at this school and has been for a yeah. long time because the two sisters see pictures of the classes over the years covered in blood for this photo op, including their own uh, parents back in the day. We see, mm. uh, and people are ostracized like literally cut out of these photos if they fail to follow through on the rituals like it's just this like insidious machine that's been churning for decades at this school 
you follow the the fucking insane hazing rituals or you're out you know and as you pointed out too like it's it's a cycle within their own family as well because their parents went to the same school so so like that runs deep and presumably their parents know what they're what they might be in for and don't really do anything about it. They're pretty terrible parents. Like, well, I think the right thing to do is if you're a family of, if you're a family of, of cannibals, well, the, the, the father isn't right. Well, that's, but, so that's the, the big spoiler of the movie. That's the, that's the big shocking twist ending and, and various things happen before we get there. But, but ultimately at the end, our, our hero sits down with her dad. And mm-hmm. at this point, I, I guess we can say that the older sister is in prison because she ate the gay roommate, Adrian. And so the whole family is kind of reeling from that. Our hero is talking to her dad at the breakfast table, and he kind of matter of fact is like, well, yep, so your sister likes, you know, she's got the munchies, and I can tell you got the munchies, and uh, <laughs> let me tell you my, uh, you know, you, you there's ways to deal with that, because turns out mom has the munchies and this is all passed on to the kids through the mother and the way they found to deal with it is our, our the father opens his shirt and he's all scarred up because the wife just munches a little bit just a little bit as a treat every night maybe just that's how they do it mm-hmm. that's cats how they survive can, cats can have a little salami yeah <laughs> the cat can have a little salami <laughs> and it's it's kind of revealed in a way that's I don't know, a little punchline-y for me, but it's, a, like I said, it's a, it's a pretty light and kind of comic movie, I think, throughout. Um, and, and yeah, weirdly, weirdly, almost kind of comic ending. I don't know, like the way, the way, that, I, don't, I don't know how to feel about it still two times through, but I fucking love that we're just done after that conversation, after he opens up his shirt and says, I think he says, you'll find a solution. Yeah. Well, I Credits. think you're I think you're right when you say it's about family and and why did you say that, Stephen? Um I mean because or I mean because uh because we spend a lot of time with the the sisterly bond for one between these two. There's the detail that that we've mentioned a couple times about the how the family how they've all been through this. You know, like like he the the father had his lip you know ripped apart the first night that he met the mother in college right they've they've all been through this but there's like a failure there's this interesting like kind of failure to deal with the problem or to communicate about it and i don't know part part of me is sort of like okay they're terrible parents they should have told their daughters what was going to happen before they go to school but then again like if you tell them not to do something and they're going off to be adults for the first time they're probably just going to do it anyway so Mm. they take the the kind of easy cowardly way out knowing that there are most likely still going to be consequences so here's what's interesting to me because cannibalism or just meat eating in general is taboo in this family it's the greatest taboo of humanity i think right it's that incest let's let's sure (laughs) (laughs) but you're yeah you're i'm not you're not wrong i think the fact that it's actually i think i think that's cannibalism is sort of arbitrary other than i think that's sort of yeah no yeah i i all right i see what you're saying i think there might be a reason it's there it's it's the, the greatest taboo there is Right. I don't know that it's about cannibalism, though. I guess I'll think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's about someone compares humans to animals at some point, 
And that kind of recontextualized the whole like hunger situation for me. But anyway, I think it's interesting that this is something that's the whole family participates in, yet it's also taboo, not just to the outside world, but within the own the family. Other than the sister who is trying to welcome little sister into that world. And again, like thinking about because like I have young I have siblings who are much younger than me. They listen to the show, so shout out. And it's like it's kind of difficult to think about like within a family what you're modeling when it comes to being an adult or being hedonistic <laughs> but, you know it's like what can I, what, what am I modeling about alcohol or drugs or the way to behave or like do you talk about sex do you not talk about sex like my family we don't talk about sex everyone's probably having it or trying to have it but it's just not spoken about and again, I feel like I, I think that's kind of what this movie is is getting at. Like, there's an adult, there's a world of adult experiences out there beyond the curtain, and it's inevitable that you're going to explore them. Mm-hmm. But how do you feel about that, and how do the people around you feel about it? I don't know. Well, you were talking about the second puberty thing, and like, I think that's universal. Where where this movie is maybe more specific is like every fam every. <sighs> Every family has their own hangups. They have their own subjects that they don't talk about that ends up like potentially kind of holding back one's development. And and for this family it's this it's this taboo that they don't talk about, but it make it makes their uh, makes their 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 struggle to integrate into this this new kind of environment um uh, alienating more so than it would be for just kind of the average anxious 18 year old going off to college Mm -hmm. but it's of a piece with like the the cannibalism is is just a facet of something that we see going on with like the partying and the sex too like there's just an awakening on all these vectors happening at once Mm -hmm. and the cannibalism is the most extreme uh example but there's i mean i i think the the sexual awakening is maybe more significant than the eating meat development i was going to go in a similar direction to what you were just saying about the cannibalism is just one piece of all this because it's interesting to me the way it's sort of revealed that this runs in the family and that she is not unique you know there there is that shocking scene where (laughs) uh justine's sister's finger gets cut off while she's trying to give justine a brazilian that goes wrong Mm -hmm. And the sister is, all things considered, fairly blasé about the fact that she wakes up from her shock to see Justine eating her finger. And then after she gets out of the hospital, takes Justine to go essentially kill a guy in a car accident that they cause. And the sister just starts eating brains. This was another moment where I ran the movie back and was like, wait, what did I just see? Did they really just tell me the sister is also a cannibal? Sure enough. And same later on with the kind of shocking reveal that uh, the mom at least, at least is also a cannibal. Because this movie, the open question it leaves for me is how much farther does this go? Is it even limited to the family? Because there's an interesting thing here where, uh, you know, again, she thinks she's, she thinks she's <clears throat> unique. She's not. And it's just, yep. You got to participate in the rituals that allow you to survive in the world, and you'll find your own solution. 
Um, and I mean, I think probably textually, if you asked Ducarnau, she would probably, I, and, and again, it sounds like she's not uh, given to make definitive statements on her movies, but I don't, I think probably it is intended that the only the family is actually cannibals. But to me, it yeah. can fit into the broader theme to go, well, who's to say? You know, there's so much kind of like, frankly, like evil afoot at this school. Like the rituals they're forced to partake in, partake in are fucked up. There's so much fucked up shit going on at this school. And who's to say everybody else isn't also just fucking eating people out there. I think the cannibalism is more like a generalized disposition like you know like depression running in the family like like yeah i don't think we're supposed to wonder like oh are there other cannibals and like why are they cannibals and where does it come from it works so well as a metaphor the way that she handles it because she doesn't really she doesn't probe that which is an uh, oddly similar to bones and all too but that's a film where like there is no metaphor it's just like it it is what it is don't ask questions and it, it's, it works similarly with a different mindset. But I, but I kind of like that. It's interesting to me that, you know, even though our hero and especially her sister, well, well, not the sister, but the, the, it's interesting to me that the hero goes so far down this road of indulging these things, but seems repulsed by it the whole time. She doesn't give herself permission to eat meat. Really. It's always something that like she'll do, but she, doesn't want to confront that sh- the fact that she does it. It's a guilty pleasure. Uh, and I think the answer to that is when she talks to her dad and maybe that's the reason the movie ends at that point is because she finally, even though she looks a- appalled, I think maybe she's finally getting permission to be okay with how yeah. she is. And I think there's something to be said about family in that too, that like, you know, like it's the old universal thing of like, who do you, who has authority over you? Are you ever going to escape your parents, etc.? Are you ever going to be your own person? And on some level, it might be kind of pessimistic because she does she ever become her own person in this movie, or does she just allow herself to follow in the footsteps of her parents? I don't know. <laughs> I think she just has a necessary awakening, and then she's got to go back to school and 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 figure it out, and and go on with the next stage of her journey. Which is why I think the ending like is so interesting because I couldn't put my finger on it until you just said that, Chris. But like, there's something about that final moment with the father and like his expression and how bright and colorful that that moment is shot too. That is almost kind of comforting. He finally he's finally able. To say what he's probably wanted to say to his daughter for a while, which is, I think you're going to be okay. Like I've, I've, I've made it this far. I had you. I've raised you. Yeah, your sister's in prison for murder, but, but he's like, he, you'll find a solution. Um, that is fascinating. And like, what else can you say as a parent? What else can you really say? I thought when your that, kids fucked up. I thought that was such a depressing ending, and I and I thought it to me it read as. Um, yeah, life's fucked up, kid, and you're going to find an equally fucked up way to get through it. You know, as a man who has been, like, torn apart by his own wife for God knows how many years, like, reveals a chest full of scars from that. It was deeply unsettling. I did not find that. I, I also took issue earlier when I think it was Chris said that was comic. I didn't see anything light, comic, or comforting about that ending. 
which is another point where it's like it's interesting we all loved this movie and all like clearly saw it in such completely different ways which is fascinating I mean, it's kind of a Rorschach blot, I think. Yeah. We probably shouldn't talk about it too much more unless we reveal things about ourselves. <laughs> oh, we're going to be psychoanalyzed to death after this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to start like a, a psychoanalysis thread in the Discord, or whatever they call that channel, channel in the Discord. Psychoanalyze us. Analyze this. That'll, that's what it'll be called. I feel like theoretically you could talk about this movie almost infinitely. I think you could because I think it exists in this weird space where like it is, I, it's, there's something kind of amorphous about it. Like, like I think you could take any, any scene or any idea in this film and and yeah, explore it infinitely. Um, But where, where are we going to get by doing that? Let me, here's one sort of sub theme or, or, um, thread i don't know in this movie that intrigued me was there's a lot of stuff about animals okay obviously it takes place at a fucking veterinary school you've got the obviously the vegetarianism there's feeding on both animal and human flesh and there's a lot of discussion about animals there's the dog who gets put down who gets which is is hilarious it's it's heartbreaking but it's hilarious i laughed this time around i thought it was funny (laughs) what (laughs) yes like what did you guys laugh at i'm so it's it's just so funny and then you see the family at the end of the movie and they have some other dog in the kitchen But, oh but okay, so we should explain this. So, so the dog gets framed essentially for the sister's finger getting cut off. Um, yeah, and, and I think just, everybody just it, knows just it too. being the the just it being chewed up because the finger gets cut off through an right. accident. But the but right, our right. hero chews it up and they put down the dog because they they blame the dog for chewing up the finger. And I think the parents or I don't know if they they attribute it to a vet or they just it's their own uh, interpretation. They say once the dog has a, has a taste for human flesh it's a bad dog it's always gonna eat people which maybe they're projecting yeah talk talk about like talking around the problem i (laughs) I really liked that moment this time around too where i'm like oh my god you guys are gonna have the heaviest conversation in a few days (laughs) you just can't quite get there yet to answer to answer your your question even though i think maybe you only got half out um (laughs) i I, I, do we ever get more than halfway through any point on this podcast without being interrupted (laughs) i think it's i think the animal thing it's trying to say it's trying to use i think animal nature as a metaphor and saying that list like listen you got the instinct you got the programming to do certain things behave in certain ways just like a dog just like all the farm animals whatever and uh, you can't you, you can only deny your animal instincts for so long and the animal wants sex it wants food it wants a beer it wants cigarettes mm-hmm. it wants to play the lottery <laughs> <laughs> I, I i think that's all true i think also i it kind of fit into my overarching uh thesis about um sort of social ritual because animals are low 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 class citizens in this movie and and she's very justine is very sensitive to animal's plate like we see uh, a horse being prepared for i think some sort of surgery or a veterinary procedure early on Mm -hmm. and it's you know it's fairly 
uh, gruesome, I think, to the casual observer. The horse is trussed up. It's got a tube shoved down its throat. Its tongue is yanked out of its mouth, whatever. And it, this is all standard, I think, veterinary procedure. It's not anything cruel happening to the horse, but it looks fucking rough. And she is clearly kind of freaked out. And I, and I sensed a lot of compassion on for the horse on her behalf. Um, you know, and we've got the dog who is just pretty callously framed again for this finger being chewed up and put down for that reason. And, and overall it kind of fit into what I saw as this vision of a social food chain. Cause again, we've got the upperclassmen at the school who just sort of enforce their authority with like sort of a military brutality at times and uh, force all the, the underclassmen into these rituals and, peer pressure them into sex and drinking and all this stuff. And to me, it kind of fit into that thing of like, you gotta, you gotta be average. You gotta participate in the rituals and take your place on the food chain or else you're going to get fucking put down like quickie, the dog, you know, or quickie. Well, she's even told this by that fucking Dick professor of hers too. Who's like, I don't like students like you that, you know, cause oh, he yeah. knows that her parents went through and he like, she turns in her first assignment. He's like, Oh, I already see a mistake off to a bad start. And he's constantly trying to put her in her place. And there's a whole drama about cheating and him, you know, trying, I don't know who actually cheated in that situation, but he's trying to get her to take the blame for it, to take her down a peg to sort of keep her in line with the rest of the society in the school. Mm-hmm. There's well, definitely a lot to explore there that I haven't really thought about deeply. And I think that also is the origin of kind of the really sad tone that I, I got out of the ending was the implication was, yeah, you'll find someone you can chew on, essentially. Mm-hmm. You're going to find someone that you can essentially ah. take advantage of to maintain your place on on the food chain. The literal, the literal anymore. food chain. <laughs> That's all I'm looking for in this life. So... I, I don't want I don't want to object to your thematic interpretation because it's your if interpretation. You object, it might be wrong. I mean, it's probably well, wrong. Here here's why that social pressure take doesn't work for me. I don't think that the fraternity or whatever it is that's that's imposing all the stuff on the kids. I don't think it has any power over our little protagonist. I think it's just sort of a uh, the environment she's in, but I don't think she does much to appease them, to make them happy. She does eat the rabbit kidney, but she doesn't want to do it. And she almost doesn't do it. She does it because her sister gives it to her. And then later on, I think she's asked about it and she's like, it's implied that actually it was her decision. Like she could have said no, but she didn't want to say no. And I just, I don't think we have any example of her. Well, but that goes back to the the thing with the doctor, you know, the, the fat girl could have said, could have spoken up, but she didn't because she wanted to be average. She wanted to fit in like that. Okay. Is, that is exactly, I, okay. th- I think that so actually it's... plays exactly into what I'm saying. Okay. Is that All you right. don't, so is that you don't because... have to go along with the evil empire necessarily. You just do it because it's too scary to fall out of line. Hmm. Yeah, I can See, I can appreciate that. 
I read that moment more as like an indictment on the way that women are treated by the medical system. I still hear crazy stories where people are telling, well, go have a glass of wine. You'll be fine in fucking 2023. And I I saw this as like a doctor seeing this young, fragile female who's afraid to ask for help and like kind of encouraging her by giving her an example. But I mean, there are a million other ways you could read that, too. I think that's just one of them. It and could also, have to do with like, this whole hierarchical thing. The road she goes down with the hazing doesn't lead her to anything that she doesn't like intrinsically. And and often yeah. she likes it more than she's supposed to, according to the fraternity, I think. What um, do you mean that she doesn't like intrinsically? Because, like, what I mean, what, what do they inspire her to do? They, like, I, they put her in a room with their guy and they're like, you know, have sex with this guy. And she's like... I'm not into this, but actually I'm having some feelings that I am very into when I'm doing this. I'm going to go explore those on my own. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm looking in the mirror, wearing the possession dress, trying to be hot, <laughs> listening to a song about that makes WAP sound like a fucking fairy. Oh my lullaby. God. <laughs> That's the dirtiest fucking song I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Uh, wasn't the chorus. I will fuck the dead. Yeah. Forget 69, I want 666. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but to me, that felt like she was kind of like uh, play acting, like what she felt social pressure to do at that point. Like Uh, the the way she dances is so awkward. And I don't know. She's just feeling herself. I I think she was feeling herself. I think she's just kind of this whole movie is her starting to kind of gradually come into her own. And I took that scene. So I heard this on another podcast. I didn't even look this up myself, but apparently that the artist who recorded that song, their like mission is to sing like, like pop and hip hop songs about men, the way that men sing about women. And I think it's very meaningful. There's a lot of, lot of really interesting needle drops in this movie but i think it's very meaningful that like that's the song she's listening to in that moment as she's kind of starting to embrace what she is becoming or realizes that she is and kind of having fun on her own terms which is awkward of course because that involves you know mutilating people which society generally shuns but so you guys think this is like a beautiful story of empowerment Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do, yeah, absolutely. I, interesting. I, yeah, I don't. 100%. I don't think anything is imposed on her other than having to wear a straight face and not eat people. But like the whole through line of oh, she's hazed into eating meat. No, she wants to fucking eat that meat. She's probably wanted to eat that meat since she was a baby. This is a story of her looking for the permission to eat the meat, to have the sex, to party, etc. And at the end of the movie, I think she finds the permission. Wow. She finds the permission I, uh, and gets the support from her family, or at least what little they can offer. This is wild. I could not disagree more. Well, hey, I, I don't think we... You're welcome, Strokes. You. Yeah, different experiences. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Different wild. life experiences, maybe. Wild. This is definitely a movie where I would love, love, love to have at least one female perspective on. On this, on this show? <laughs> not on my show, damn it. <laughs> Hmm. Hmm. Let's watch it again in two years and have a panel of, of a <laughs> yeah. more diverse panel. Sure. I'll commit to that right now. I love this movie. And that's about as much time as I need before I'll be ready to see it again. I mean, the sister like coerces her into like wearing the sexy dress and the heels and all that. Like that is not something she intrinsically wants to do. 
But the, the, the drinking is not something that feels good to me in this movie either. When she's drinking like a literal like fucking 16 ounce a pint glass full of vodka, that ain't right. Do you remember how you drank I, I when you first started, though? I think we all do. Yeah, you and that was learn not to good. get your legs. And you it was learn not to get good. your legs before you enjoy it and, and you know, uh, make it so that you're in bed with somebody before you're passing out and puking. It takes that, time. The look this is her on first her, week. The look on her face, I, I don't know. None of that's good. It's bad news bears, as Chris would say. Here's what I am curious about, though, and it does relate to that drinking scene, is the the viral video scene I'm still turning over in my mind. Because, oh. like, one, I don't understand why her sister... I don't understand why her sister did several things in this film, except that I guess she's only... How, how much older is she? She's probably a semester uh, she's, or a year she's, advanced. She reads as, like, Couple four years, years older. older, three years older. So she's, she's pretty older. Yeah, But she's still pretty immature and, like, petty and seems to have a lot of... Um, she's awful. a lot of mind games. She's terrible. Yeah. She's awful. And I'm glad she winds up in prison at the end of the movie and gets her mm-hmm. just desserts. But um, We could probably that do a whole really- other hour on her journey and what yeah. that all means. Mm-hmm. It might, you know, I'll say with regard to the viral video thing, because because for, for the for the people who aren't watching the movie for some reason, they're just listening to us. Uh, the, the, her reputation at school, our hero's reputation at school is damaged because there's a video going around of her at one of these crazy blade raves and she is <laughs> wasted out of her mind being taunted by her sister who's holding a piece of meat over her. She's no, holding, holding the arm a of a corpse in the morgue. Yeah. Yeah. To me at that point, it was just a piece of, just another piece of meat. <laughs> but yeah, the arm of a cadaver and our, our hero is like just trying to eat this like a dog lunging for it. So why? Yeah, yeah. Why did she do that in front of all those people? That might speak to, you know, that might be a point for Patrick because maybe the sister is, you know, uh, she has her allegiances to the cliques and the power system and what gets mm. her buy in with the social scene. Rather than her family. But I think for our hero, it's the opposite. I think for our hero, it's family over social scene. Is the reason that she does that in front of all the people? Well, she is powerless. Our protagonist, um, I almost called her Titan. <laughs> Justine is uh, Yeah, I mean, she's, she's power- blasted. She's, she's not only blasted, but like whatever, whatever, like machinations that, she cannot that, that propel stand up. her desire for flesh but like she literally turns into an animal in that moment it's beyond being wasted she's like on her hands and knees like an animal her eyes are wild and and she can't yeah she can't help herself because she she's being teased with this kind of carrot on a stick i just don't yeah i don't understand well, but then again, this there's the consequences to that don't seem to be great because they both remain in school after that after they've committed a literal crime of like pulling this pulling this corpse out of the out of its you know holding area and and trying to get this girl to eat it. I don't know, which don't is know. where which is where I'm like, and again, I don't think this is like canonical. I don't think this is like actually but it's where it still leads my mind to go like who's to say this is all that shocking who's to say there aren't a bunch of other fucking cannibals at this school well that's where the cannibalism as a metaphor comes in because like people are like they're not as not okay with what happened as you would think like if this were to happen in reality right right? yes um 
But I there's, still don't think it's a world where like cannibals are like a known issue running rampant in France. Well, well yeah. No, I think that but the point is there's so much cruelty that is just part of social norm in this movie and yeah. cruelty that is just accepted and just the way things are. New theory that I just thought of 30 seconds ago. But there's a rival. There's a little bit of a rivalry between these sisters, and the like. You know, the older sister is like kind of getting too close to the roommate. I think it's significant that the roommate kills and partially eats, or or, or the sister kills and partially eats the roommate right after the he has sex with the little sister. Mm. And so maybe maybe part of this movie is the sister trying to establish herself in a pecking order or or feels threatened, possibly feels threatened because she's already bought into this school culture. Maybe she doesn't like having a little sister who's like answers to herself more than the culture and is becoming hot shit on her own terms. I don't know. Just they are, they are playing ago. this. They are playing this interesting jealousy game of who's going to fuck the gay guy first, which I still don't know how I feel about. But you could be onto something there, Chris. Yeah, that she that that older sister Alexi Alexei sees Alexia. sees Justine coming into her own and and has to you know confront it and make it uncomfortable at all costs. But also lots of mere metaphors, face metaphors. Our hero mm. and the older sister are the same. That's a dank shot. Yeah, when she goes to see Oh my god, Justine goes to visit that. Alexia in prison at the end and their faces are melded together in the reflection of the glass. And I actually did read one think piece before we were before we recorded today. I, I thought it was the face from the end of Skinnamarink. They this piece uh asserted and, I, and again this is another one of those things where was it intended or not, but this piece their their take was uh, that it looks most like the mom's face at first oh. and then kind of separates out into the two sisters' separate faces. So that's a whole other level there. They took that's the two actresses and put their faces over each other at 50% opacity and then took it to a casting agent and said, find me a middle-aged woman who looks like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's also the scene where they're, they're sitting, they're playing Nintendo or whatever, and they're sitting like two feet away from each other. But when you, you don't see them in the same shot, they're framed so that like one's on the extreme left with empty space to the right and one's on the right with empty space to the left. Guys, do we ever see him in the same shot? What if this is a Jacob's Ladder scenario? <laughs> I You could go on for another hour about it, I'm sure. Guys, do you know... It. <laughs> you know to to change the subject completely and probably land start landing this plane you know an interesting thing about me i've never fucking seen jacob's ladder oh me neither and every time someone says it's a jacob's ladder scenario i know like vaguely what they mean i know it's a big rug pull of some sort related to identity but i literally don't know what that means and it's so strange because it's such a i don't know just like a cultural touchstone it's so odd not only that i haven't seen the movie but that i don't know what it means what like the twist is and i'm I, i'm well, glad about that because whenever i do see it hopefully i'll enjoy it but yeah odd thing especially for me as someone who loves movies and specifically horror movies it's a great movie and i also used jacob's ladder scenario improperly just then i have to admit that is that is not anything like what happens in jacob's ladder um, oh, you good. were thinking the, maybe the twist it's a is still preserved scenario. 
Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's more of a Fight Club scenario. That's more accurate. Well, no way. Actually, maybe I do know. The guy's been dead the whole movie or something, right? Like, it's all his, It's an like, occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge filtered through Vietnam, from what I remember. It's oh, a, an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Yeah, and it's basically that, but as a, like, v- Vietnam vet's what is story. That? That's a cla- Who the fuck wrote that? Like, everybody reads that in middle school. He doesn't uh, even know who wrote an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Do you? Are you Googling it right now? I don't remember. Ambrose Bierce. Ambrose Bierce wrote an occurrence. Do you know what that Bridge. is, Chris? Or are no, you, are you trolling? I've before in my life. Oh, I, feel, okay. I, I feel like Jacob's Ladder is infinitely more popular than this short story that Stephen just used to explain Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> oh, interesting, because it was, like, adapted into a Twilight Zone episode in the oh. original series, I think. Famous story about somebody who is 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 uh maybe maybe dead during the duration of the story just a good it's a good ignoramus don't listen to me (laughs) well that's jacob's ladder (laughs) yeah that's an occurrence at all creek bridge Uh, (laughs) that's an occurrence at all guys what are we watching next week i think it's patrick's turn to choose it is it is choose wisely (laughs) well so last last episode, we had this whole thing with the Joker where we were like, you guys will never believe this. We meme about this all the time. Next are we week watching or- Joker? No, next. Well, no. We are going to watch a movie that at least you, Chris, meme about all the time. Do you want to try? I want. Do you want to oh, guess what we easy. might be watching? Yeah. Ouija Origin Shooter. of Evil. Nope. What? Not, not Shooter, not Ouija Origin of Evil. We're watching The Bye Bye Man. Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hi, hi to The Bye Bye Man. Don't I'm think ready. it. Don't say it. Is that, is that the it. tagline? Yes. <laughs> That's the <Okay>. tagline. <laughs> I don't know anything about it other than that you just like reference it anytime there's a movie that's like The Blank Man. Yeah, or anytime there's just a, a movie of- that's like just your sort of I, it's, i'm expecting that I, I hope i'm wrong i'm expecting this to just be like the most generic written by an ai blumhouse <laughs> dead teenager movie yeah i oh i was I, there, there are other things i certainly want to see more but i was looking at the selections today and i was like all right we've talked about the bye bye man for like whenever it came out we've talked about it for that number of years and it's like it's it's time to get this done I think it's the reason people didn't see The Empty Man because of the yeah. like the dumb title thing. Guys, Fade Dunaway is in this movie. Oh. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> I, I got wow. the big I got the see. big I got the big crush on her if you turn back the clock 60 years. <laughs> All right. Well, well until then, bye-bye, man. <laughs> <laughs> Bye bye, no, man. Really? That <laughs> the, the the Biden man. <laughs> okay, bye bye. For real, it's a All man. Right. He goes bye bye. <laughs> All right, that's the end of this show. We'll be back in two weeks to watch the Bye Bye Man. Oh God, it's just such a funny name. <laughs> Until then, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Steven. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>